Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is June 23rd, 2020. 82 days to kick off. Get to see some Buccaneers football. I cannot believe it's so few days. Like last time we were at over 100. Gosh, has it been that many days since we've done a podcast? If the NFL season goes anything like our podcast is gone, we're not going to have an NFL (laughs) season. We recorded a podcast Sunday and then after, I think it was like an hour and a half long podcast, almost hour and a half, and then went to edit it and all that good stuff, post-produce it, and the, the audio was just totally crashed. It was horrible, so we couldn't do it, so we were trying to redo it now. So here we are, off of vacation. We got an interesting show for you tonight, a few good things to talk about, a few bad things to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about some coronavirus, of course. Uh, we got some uh, practice squad stuff going on, Buccaneers news, and then uh, just general chit-chat. And they're going to discuss some of uh, whether Tom Brady's tough enough to play behind this offensive line. We got a lot to get to. Let's do it. Just jump right into it? Let's just jump right in. Two Buccaneers players tested positive for COVID-19 as well as an assistant coach. It came out on, um, I guess, about a week ago that an assistant had it. The Buccaneers staff had just returned to the facility and then the assistant coach, it was announced, had contracted the virus. They have closed the parts of the facilities that may have been affected and so they're doing a proper sanitizing and then those areas will reopen. Greg Allman noted that Bucks coaches and players weren't actually interacting in person when all this happened so the players being infected probably didn't have anything to do with the assistant coach being infected. They haven't released the names of the individuals for obvious reasons, and those who may have been in contact with any of the individuals are under a two-week quarantine. So, But the Bucks are not actually the only ones in the NFL. According to Pro Football Rumors, 10 teams have had positive cases. Now, the NFLPA put out a statement encouraging players to cease informal workouts with other players and actually this is a little funny greg allman noted that despite the warning tom brady and the buccaneers players are still working out together according to tom brady's instagram quote no excuses and so Greg Allman put out a tweet like that and then he had a couple of players well former Buccaneers players not any current players kind of give him a little bit of pushback Chris Conte said and this is why players don't trust the media in their locker rooms Earl Wadford said what do they expect from us can't do football without other football players this isn't basketball yeah, the Tampa Bay Times actually did a whole article on it. They said the NFLPA recommends players stop practicing together. Had that in quotes. I don't know why, why they had practicing together in quotes. Until the start of training camps in late July. Despite the warning, the Bucks, Tom Brady and company were back at informal practice Tuesday. Uh, you know, screw the Tampa Bay Times. 
Well, it looks like all the Buckspedia. Because remember... Yeah, they're all snitches. Yeah, remember <laughs> we did this on the last podcast when it came out that the Bucks players were practicing together and then individuals from the media contacted the league and said, are they allowed to do this? They're not wearing masks, you know? Made a big deal about it, so... They could just say it's a protest. I know, right? There you go, done. It yeah, is. And, and Anthony Beck tweeted, he said, rats, you're all rats. Leave them all alone, jeez. I do not know if he was saying that tongue-in-cheek. I think he was. You know, they're all grown men. They understand the risks. You can't put people in a bubble. It does bring up some interesting points. One, our coaching staff is, a lot of them are on the downside of life, I guess you could say. They're, <laughs> I don't know how to The put downward that. slope. Yeah, well, we've got one, Tom Moore, who, what, he's in his 80s. Right. You know, uh... Bruce Arians is almost 70. So, you know, they're in the target demographic of really being affected by coronavirus. So, you know, they probably do need to take some serious precautions. And then there's the other issue of what are we going to do during the season with this? Is this going to keep going on? I mean, if if a guy is tested positive because they got all these testing that they're going to be having in place for players, coaches and fans, if they go to the stadium, you know, they're all going to get temperature checks and all that crap. So. If a player tests positive, whether he's asymptomatic or not, he's going to have to quarantine for two weeks. That means he's going to miss practice. He's going to miss meetings. He's going to miss games. And this is going to be happening all over the league all the time. And you know, well, it's, and it's going to be three or four players a week guaranteed from every team is going to be quarantined for two weeks. Right. But then if you come into contact with a person who has tested positive, they recommend that you quarantine for two weeks. So the whole team would be quarantined. Right. I mean, how are they going to do that? <laughs> oh, it's going to be insane. They've got to, they got to, they got to stop this insanity. Uh, the NFL practice squads were expanded from 10 to 12 players in 2020. So that's going to help. Now there's internal talk about expanding to as many as 16 to help fight with this coronavirus. Thing. If they're going to forcibly quarantine anybody that tests positive, even though they're asymptomatic, then they're going to have to have more than 16 people on the practice squad, probably. Uh, yeah, but at least 16 people. And the good thing of it is, is uh, the NFLPA has to co-sign off on this, but it's just more jobs for players. Yeah, more opportunities. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a pretty big increase. That's what, four times 32? That's like 150 more people get to be NFL players. So, yeah, don't know. It's going to be interesting how this all works out because it's just, uh, right now it just doesn't seem feasible to, you know, look, we, we haven't even started practice yet. We've already got, what, three people in our organization that are quarantined? Come on. Come on, man. Right, and they're supposed to start training camp in a month, or that's when it typically starts. I think Bruce Arians had announced a date for training camp and then had to backtrack on it. It wasn't yeah, quite think, set in stone mm -hmm. yet. Yeah. Yeah, what was it? What was it we talked about uh, in a podcast where they – Oh, oh, yeah, the last time Tom Brady and them were practicing and somebody from the Bucks organization or the Bucks media called up the NFLPA, we assume, because this is really the only way it could have happened, called up the NFLPA and asked if it was legal. <laughs> what is it with these people? I know. You know, it's like, really? I, I don't get it, man. I do not get it. And then that takes us back. You know, we we, we bash on the media quite a bit, Not not as much here lately as we used to uh you know I, I do have respect for these guys and everything but who, who are these players that have contracted covid 
One, we don't know because of HIPAA laws. You know, they do not have to put out who it is contracted. Is it one of the things I've always found funny with this whole coronavirus stuff is that you have all these media and celebrity people who have loved coming out and saying, oh, I've got coronavirus or whatever. I think Tom Hanks did it and mm-hmm. uh, Chris yeah, Cuomo. Yeah, he was one of the first ones. Idris Elba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they don't have to do that. I mean, legally, nobody can say they have it. You know, even if you know they have it. I mean, it's illegal to tell people about other people's health issues. So they're doing it. I don't know why, I guess for attention. Most of these people are extreme tension people. But here we have players and coaches on our team that have been quarantined and they have been diagnosed positive with coronavirus. Our media is not going to find out. Mm-mm. And they're not going to tell anybody, even if they do find out. Because they have that, you know, they need that access. So they're not going to do anything to really jeopardize that. And it, it just makes me, you know, what do these guys do? What did this media do? Now, they Joe Buck's call the NFL league when there's practices <laughs> going on to make sure that them. they're following the rules. <laughs> That's what they do. Karen Lane. Uh, what you know, it just seems like that what they do is they sit there and they, you know, they've they got these guys in the locker rooms. They talk with them, and sometimes they build up relationships with them, like like Gerald McCoy. You know, we saw the meltdown the whole Buccaneers media had over him leaving because he was their you know, number one inside guy. Uh, but then they they listen to these people on the podium and then they just retweet Adam Schefter and those guys. You know, they get it. I mean, it's like they just sit there and get their news. No different than I could get it. I could watch uh, press conferences yeah, and, that's and write what an we article. Do. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what we do. We don't have any. I don't feel like I'm any out of the loop than those guys. Uh so what, Not only that, but like Adam Schefter was the one that broke that people in the facility right. had tested positive. Yeah, right. Exactly. How did our local media, our Bucks beat writers, not get that news first? Just insane to me. I, I just, I really don't know what these people do. You know, because they're not doing investigative journalism. They're not doing like TMZ style journalism. Although with the Tom Brady stuff, they are helicopters and camping out across the street and stuff. But they're not, I don't know, man. It just seems like it's a really easy job. Yeah, I think people attracted to sports journalism just like sports, want to hang out with athletes. Yeah, well, you were, That's it. You, I, went to, you went to college for journalism. Yeah, for my first year at a pretty competitive journalism school. And sports journalism was the biggest draw. Like, it was really hard to get into those classes pretty much had to be like a senior and because you know seniors get to register first or it depends on how many credit hours you have and you would have to basically log in like as soon as it opened to even get in those classes like they went immediately i i can understand why like you said one you want to be around the athletes and the celebrities and you like sports but also because Man, this has got to be the easiest job in the world, other than a weatherman. I think the weatherman's got to be the easiest <laughs> job because there's no accountability whatsoever. You know, and I would, if I was a weatherman, I would just get in front of the camera and I'd say, uh, 50% chance of partly cloudy and 50% chance of rain. I'd say that every day. <laughs> you can't be wrong, though. You way. can't be wrong, exactly. Well, I do have to give credit to guys like Greg Allman who are approaching. The professional a bit differently. I yes, mean, I, he I, does more in-depth, interesting feature 
articles. Yes, yes. So, uh, but a lot of it is more in-house, though. It's yeah. Uh, but he has uh, gone out and interviewed players, past coaches, and stuff like that. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, these guys are not investigative journalists. They're not going out and getting in contacts with the players' friends and the coaches' families and just building networks of basically spies, I guess. And feeding that to the fan base. Now, we've had this, we've talked about this quite a few times over the years, how they withhold information from the fan base that could be quite beneficial, like the uh, Deshaun Jackson incidents with <clears throat> the Buccaneers and Jameis Winston. You know, we found out a year after it happened, basically when they were trying to run him out of town, all this stuff where, you know, he was kicking stuff over in the locker rooms and Christmas displays and Falling asleep in meetings. Uh, Falling asleep in meetings and did something so horribly bad to Jameis Winston that some in the media said that if it ever got out, that they he would never be able to work in the NFL again. So we find this stuff out way after the fact. And, and then it's like Kevin Winslow Jr. How in the world did we not hear about that until what was it, six years after he <laughs> left the team? We find out he's he's known for carrying around a, a basic... A, a fake torso that he could have sex with on the road. Yes, on the planes and stuff. It's in just, his suitcase. It's insane that how did we not know this until he goes to court and then it all comes out. Right. You know, what What does the media do? I, that's what I don't get. I know, I do know what some things they do is they really push crap I don't care about. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. It's one thing I do like about Greg Allman and a couple of the other ones, you know, they, they don't put their their political beliefs out there and their empathy for certain players. You know, they just kind of report on what they're supposed to report Not on. as agenda-driven as Right, others. right. So I do respect them for that, but I do know that a lot, most of these reporters, they like certain players and they're going to present them in a good light. They dislike other players. They're going to present them in a bad light. That's actually a good segue to the Deshaun Jackson piece I have today because it's funny if you've been with us that long when Deshaun Jackson was here, our criticism was exactly this. You, There was enough to criticize Deshaun Jackson about on the field that you didn't have to start bad-mouthing him about all the stuff that happened a year ago that we can't verify you never reported at the time. Like, you could look on the field and go, yeah, that he really needs to step it up. He's not pulling his weight. So it wasn't really necessary for them to start digging up all this old stuff and start repeating. Yeah. They were character bashing him and trying to make him look like a really bad person. Yeah. Which he might've been, he could have been, but it's like, why are you reporting about it a year after it happened? And it was all in coordination with each other. That's how they always work. It's like, right. And only when you all decided that you wanted to run him out of town. So Joe Buck's fan is reporting uh, Deshaun Jackson did an interview and he commented on Jameis and he said, Jameis, man, this is a quote, Jameis, man, that dude has a lot of upside. And when I say upside playing with him in Tampa, I feel like he has all the intangibles to be a big time quarterback in the league. I think just a lot of times last year he was careless with the ball and didn't really manage the ball as well as he needed to be. 
being a top-tier quarterback in the league. I think a lot of times if you're talking the talk and not walking the walk, you know, a lot of guys are not going to follow behind. I'm not saying that's necessarily him, but you know more on the talk the talk. You just got to back it up on the field. I definitely think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, Deshaun Jackson, his performance on the field was garbage. Let's get that out of the way now. But the man except never... When he was, when, except when Ron Fitzpatrick was throwing it to him. Well, I think like the beginning of the season, he was okay. Even when Jameis came back. He did have better chemistry with Fitzpatrick. And that was pretty obvious. But the man never said a bad word about Jameis. Ever. Mm-mm. No, not in public. Ever. Never yeah. publicly. The media gave him every opportunity to do it. He never did. Mm-hmm. Never said a word. Yeah, it's a weird thing. You know, I just don't trust them. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. I just do not trust them. And that's a shame. It's one of the reasons why we started all this podcast stuff. One of the reasons. It was a very small reason. But, you know, it's just, it's like uh, we see stuff that happens that is the exact opposite of what the media is trying to tell us. And so we thought, hey, we want to give a voice to our side of it, too. So anyhow, it's all about the fans. It's all about the fans, 100%. You know, the fans are what matters. Without the fans, there would be no football. And uh, we are the most important thing about football. Media likes to think that they are the most important thing about football, but they're not in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, you could totally get rid of all of them, and it it wouldn't affect football whatsoever. They are a middleman between us and the fans sometimes that doesn't need to be there. So here we are. We are a fan podcast made for fans, by fans, about fans. <laughs> about that. <laughs> Speaking of which, we got a fan email from uh, Down Under where the women roar and the men thunder. You got that handy? Oh, yeah. Okay. Simon. 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 So last time we talked about Simon from Australia, and he sent us his game experience, which if you want to share your game experience, please do. You can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, email anything or how you became a fan I always like those too how you yeah. became a fan of the Buccaneers. yeah so i'll just read the email firstly i was fortunate enough to have married someone who allowed me to incorporate attending a bucks game as part of our honeymoon so yeah. there's more than one of us in the world guys <laughs> much to her dismay at the time once the schedule came out with consecutive home games to finish the season the season this very quickly became attending two games and why not why wouldn't you simply walking toward the stadium before the texans game and seeing the number of people wearing bucks colors was unusual i've only ever seen one human in person at home in australia sporting such merchandise and when i asked him about his hat he clearly didn't know what the nfl even was (laughs) just thought it looked cool (laughs) that's funny it's even funny how he said i've only seen one human i mean (laughs) has he seen like dogs or kangaroos with (laughs) maybe they do but he hasn't encountered them which this is so funny because we live in redskins country and it's kind of a similar situation i remember the first game that i went to and it was bizarre just being surrounded by bucks fans and had never happened before it's a great feeling if you've never done it as a bucks fan which we realize uh, most buck fans haven't done it you know you don't get a, a lot of a lot of there's more buck fans that live outside the tampa area than there are people that are Bucks fans in the Tampa area. I mean, there's millions of Buccaneer fans across the world. Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't get the opportunity to go to see a Buccaneers game. If you ever do, 
do it because it's awesome. You know, it's a weird feeling being surrounded by you know, 50, 60,000 people who all like the Buccaneers. <laughs> it is. It's so awesome. Simon continues, the fans sitting near us were all very friendly and invited us to their tailgate the following week after I'd mentioned we were also attending the Falcons game. As they'd made the wife slash missus, whichever term you prefer to use, feel welcome, she was cool with the idea and if anything, encouraged it. So we met up at 8 a.m. where I was greeted with the first of many bourbons, they remembered I don't drink beer, as they proceeded to prepare some of the best food we'd eaten during our three weeks in the country. Our seats were elsewhere for this game, but we met up with the people afterwards as we had enough time to before we had to leave for the NHL that night. I think my better half forgot we also had the hockey game that same day. Simon, you can throw down, buddy. Starting bourbon at 8 a.m., making it through an NFL game, and then heading to a hockey game. Like, you can hang. I think I would have been asleep in my car. That's a, that's <laughs> a true pirate right there, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst both games ended up being losses, the fact they were close and predominantly one-score margins for their duration meant they were exciting to watch. The games seem over much quicker as opposed to watching them on TV, but that could also be due to the time they were on in Australia. A 1 p.m. kickoff is at 2.30 a.m. or 4.30 a.m. once daylight savings kicks in on a Monday morning. That's crazy to me. They And, yeah, the games with Jameis, I do regret that we didn't get to a game last season because they were so exciting. Oh, very, like, very entertaining. That's yeah. one thing you can say about Jameis Winston. Entertaining. Yeah. And, you know, the two games that we went to, who were the court? Was it Josh Freeman? Both games? The first game we saw was the Redskins. I have not a clue. I don't remember either. Yeah, but they were losses and not exciting. So, so yeah, we love to hear these kind of things from fans. So, again, if you guys have your want to share your experience or how you became a fan, we'll read it on the podcast. And thanks to Simon for taking the time to write that all out. It was a. I, I love that the Bucks fans embraced them, brought them to their tailgate Got them brought them some libation exactly <laughs> so hospitable it's awesome well you know that's one of the things about football and sports in general you always bring this up you know it's very unifying you know sports are very very unifying and we, man we we definitely need sports back <laughs> i agree i agree it is it's the great unifier you know and especially you know football you get people from all different backgrounds and belief systems and from it's all over the world all over the world and you, you come together for this common cause and i i do think we need to bring sports back irrespective of this virus because it is as you can tell a lot of people are insane at this <laughs> <point>. <laughs> you know we're all cooped up in our houses i know i'm a basket case so we just, we need it. We need something to look forward to. We need something to bring us all together. An alien invasion. That would do it. That's my number one thing to unite us all. Alien invasion. Eh, that or war with China. I don't know. I mean, the alien invasion, we'd be united until they all eat us. <laughs> yeah, <so. right>. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, well, you know what would happen? The president gives a crazy speech, just like an Independence Day. Mm. And then we all go out there and just kick their butts. I'm not fighting an alien. What if they're little aliens? Oh, yeah. But there's a thousand of them. 
I'd get some big shoes and stomp. Would you rather fight a thousand small aliens? (laughs) (laughs) A thousand rabbit-sized aliens or one one horse-sized alien? alien. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, You know, Shaquille Barrett, we we placed a franchise tag on our outside linebacker, Shaquille Barrett, for the 2021 season. Uh, The deadline for him to sign that is coming up, and he hasn't signed it yet. The deadline is July 15th. I mean, he's still got plenty of time. But if he doesn't sign it, then he's not going to come to a training camp or nothing like that. Right. That's kind of when they hold out, right? If they don't sign their tender, yeah. then they I mean, hold, he's going to sign it. Or they're, they're, they're probably negotiating a longer deal for him now, you know, more lucrative and spread that out a little bit so we can get some more cap space, maybe some <laughs> sign Jamal Adams. But, uh, you know, it's just something to keep an eye on. You know, he has said, Shaq Barrett is awesome. He's a He's a great, great guy, it seems like. He really likes football. He really likes music. And he really likes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, I mean, he said during the offseason he would take, you know, a lower amount of money to stay with Tampa Bay. He wants to be here for the rest of his life, or, you know, for the rest of his career. And that's so awesome. So he'll get this done. He's going to sign it. I'm sure this is, you know, mainly due because of the, the coronavirus and stuff and maybe his agent saying, well, you know, that's try and negotiate a better deal that we can't best deal that we can so you know there's no rush with it but just keep an eye on that july 15th is the deadline so we've got another three weeks basically Mm-hmm. It, our team is just so i was thinking about this the other day our team is so stocked full of great character people you, know, you got mike evans uh, Ali Marpet, because uh, this is all across the board. Yeah, it just seems like they're all really grounded. A lot of them are family men. Mm-hmm. They're dedicated to their craft of football. You know, everyone's kind of got their head on straight. We don't have any problem personalities. Right, yeah, and that's a huge, huge issue. And that's one of the things you know, with Jamal Adams. They're like, I, I said of all the people in the secondary, if I could have anybody, it was Jamal Adams. Like I said that month ago, now he – put us on the list of people he wants to be traded to, which I find funny because the rest of the teams he has his list were all, you know, big national teams or teams that have a uh, real chance at going to the Super Bowl. And then he put us on there. So that's a good thing because, you know, we're getting a lot of media attention this year and we got a good chance of going to the Super Bowl. But the issue with him I have is I don't like this and the attitude of, hey, I don't like this team anymore. Trade me. You know, it's just, uh, I don't want that in our locker room. It's a it's, it's a character a, issue to me. Yeah, it was the same thing last year with Melvin Gordon when everyone's like, he's holding out, maybe we could get him. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I don't care how good you are. Yes. Yeah, that's what the Tom Brady is so unique in that, you know, here he is considered the best quarterback that's ever played, maybe the best player that's ever played in the NFL. And... Throughout his whole career, it's never been about him. He's always taken less money to make sure that the team has. I mean, he could have gotten paid forty million a year. You know, what 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 is Matt Ryan supposed to get next year? Forty one million? Oh, is it forty one million? Like forty one, forty two. Yeah, you know, while every while quarterbacks are getting paid twenty five, thirty million dollars a year, you know, Tom Brady's over here getting paid eighteen million, twenty million. You know, it's like, come on now. Okay, but he has played. 20 years so you can yeah it's not like he's poor no right 20 <laughs> years of 18 million dollars <laughs> but the, my point being right. it's, it's a character thing and we yeah. it, we seem to have a whole team full of guys like that yeah we're just very 
very character driven and they're good people and they want to be at Tampa. Yeah, like team oriented. I mean, this offseason, Cam Brayton, he took less money to stay here. And Mike Evans has in years past restructured his contract to give the Bucks a little more wiggle room. So. And they all seem to have very good chemistry with each other. All the units are very tight. The secondary seems very, very tight. Uh, the defensive line, very, very tight. You know, the front seven, linebacker, very tight. Uh, wide receivers. I, I tell you what, I really like Chris Godwin's personality and character. He just seems like a really good guy. Same same way with uh, Shaquille Barrett. You know, they just seem like really good guys. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm wearing my Buccaneers tinted sunglasses when I look at them. I think maybe, but I do think that these guys are very special. Well, we've gone through the period of having a bunch of bad character people on this team. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, this might be the last, the first year, well, last year. It's been a long time th- that we haven't, that we've had bad characters on our team. It's just been here in the past few years where we haven't had, you know, I mean, back in the 2011 season, that was, oh gosh, you know, the Raheem Morris with the, going out with the, to the strip clubs with the players and drugs mm-hmm. and fines and suspensions and oh man yeah Anyways. and then we went through josh freeman oh, his yeah. character problem i mean doug martin with the drug problem uh keep Swa- to leave yeah swaggy baker who just came here for a paycheck mm-hmm. he's not committed to working we've had quite a few of those yeah yeah so yes I like this team. I guess that's what I'm getting. <laughs> Every year is so weird because leading up to it, you get such an attachment for the team. And then the next year, it's always totally different. Or at least, you know, you lose some people that were like a core part of the year before. Like yeah, we usually, lost Carl Nassib this year. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. and, uh, and that hurts, but it it's does. good to see him go get a starting role yeah. somewhere. He deserves it. It still makes me sad. Yeah. My heart hurts. But this is the the first year I can remember in a long time where we've kept so many players. Usually you have about a 30% turnover rate. Yeah, we didn't really lose anybody. Besides James Winston. Well, yeah. Okay. That's... And Nassib. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, no, we we lost James Winston, but we upgraded into Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Nassib was really the only loss we had where you went, oh, man, that sucks. Bo yeah. Allen. Yeah, I was a little upset about Bo, but yeah. you get it. Yeah. And he'll be fine. And he with the Patriots. I think he's at the Patriots now, so he's going to be just fine. I don't know why. I just figured he went straight back to the Philadelphia Eagles. It seems like that's what everybody <laughs> that, does with us. That was Vinny Curry. Yeah. So uh, the Bucks cornerback Carlton Davis, you know, he changed his number. He used to be number 33. Now he's 24. He did that in tribute to uh, Kobe Bryant. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't heard about that. Yes, he... Uh, he said, uh, Kobe was my all-time favorite athlete since I was a kid. He's always been a guy I take after in terms of his greatness and what he's accomplished. That was so crazy because, you know, we don't we don't have time for basketball. We don't watch basketball. We don't watch well, any other sport. We don't watch any other sport. But I used to watch NASCAR, hockey, boxing, UFC, Ooh. and football. Right. It was my, it was it was a 24-hour <laughs> seven day a week job watching and all i'm that sure there's sports. some overlap there between i can get having like a fall sport and then maybe mm-hmm. a summer sport yeah but with that many sports you definitely have some overlap yeah there was times where you'd have to sit there and go oh my gosh what am i gonna watch tonight you know it's did a, you have like a hierarchy like uh a- oh yeah buccaneers first of course <laughs> 
And then hockey, well, there were so many. It's like baseball. There's so many hockey games that if you miss one, it's no big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Racing, you nap through anyway. So. Well, it all. Yeah, and it was good during the <laughs> summer, but once the once the the season started for football, I I never watched NASCAR during football season because it's on Sundays. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and, and then they started doing that stupid playoff stuff, which really, I don't know. It was all dumb. But yeah, so I stopped watching all of it. The only thing I watch now is football. I just don't, I, I don't, I can't even watch college football because it's just the Buccaneers take up so much of my time. And the good thing about cutting out all the other sports is I can devote more time to the Buccaneers. That is good. Always good. Always good. But yeah, it was a shame. Oh, oh that's what I was saying. We got off on this tangent. Uh, we don't watch basketball, but. It's like Kobe, it was just such a cultural icon. And, you know, it was so sad what happened. And so I can feel, you know, I can appreciate Carlton making that move. It's like, yeah, that's cool. It's a cool tribute. Yeah, there's some deaths that when they happen, it just it's kind of like you feel like the earth kind of shakes a little bit. It's like, it, that's yeah. not supposed to be that way. It was like when Michael Jackson, same thing, you know, it was just like, what? No. Wow. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, and uh, Whitney, that's another one, Whitney Houston, when she died. I was like, oh, that was another one. I was alive when Elvis died. That was a big one, too. Uh, Chris Cornell dying, the lead singer for Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those things, you know, it's just, it's they're such cultural icons that when they pass away, it's like a pillar of society has fallen. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's just, everything gets kind of gets unsteady for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird, weird, yeah. Yeah, that oh, like when Kobe died and I read that, it it was just kind of a gut shot and I'm like, I don't I don't even know who's he play for? <laughs> I don't know. But it was. It was I don't even, so. was he even in the league anymore? I don't know. I don't know, see? But it's like you know, you've seen Yeah. And especially like him yeah, with you, his little girl who also, oh gosh, you know, yeah, it was even, just I know, awful. Yeah, so yeah. But we just tank this podcast with <laughs> optimism. Jesus. No, we can thank Carlton Davis for that. I'm glad you said that. I, I'm going to have to keep a roster like open the first probably three or four games because mm-hmm. a bunch of them has changed numbers, particularly in the secondary. You know, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, he changed mm-hmm. his number. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Godwin changed his number. Oh, uh, yeah. What's he? What number is he? 14. He's 14 now. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be weird having to get used to everybody. So well, we, do, we don't even have to get used to new people. We just we have, have to get, get used to, used to the numbers. new numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's usually my biggest issue every year is, you know, because I watch these guys on film every year and I watch, you know, a lot of hours of film a week. So I get accustomed to how they play and their numbers and their names. Oh, and their accessories. You know, yes. like who's wearing armbands, mm-hmm. the tendon bands, or who usually has a towel. Well, or yeah, like it, I can't follow a lot of guys, and you'll be like, "Yeah, no, that was so and so," and I'm like, "How do you even know that? Couldn't see the number." He's like, "Oh, I can tell from the." Yeah, like Jerry McCoy always wore those tendon bands on his uh, elbows. Yeah, he still wears them. So you know, it makes them easy to identify. Uh, Carlton Davis wears, oh my goodness, is it Carlton Davis? I can't remember. Well, one of the guys in the secondary wears like full body sleeves <clears throat> with pads, actually. It looks like, really? you know, like a skateboard, uh, shin pads on his forearms. Really? Yeah. I've never seen that. Uh, interesting. But anyhow, you know, you get to, over the course of 16 weeks, 16 games, you know, watching, 
you know, the many hours you put in watching these guys over and over and over, you get used to seeing them. And then the next year when they're gone, you, it's, you got to remember all the names and the numbers and all that stuff again. And it usually takes a couple of weeks to learn the new guys. Yeah. Cause you'll go, Oh, look at what uh, so-and-so is doing. And you go, Oh, that's not so-and-so. That's the new guy. Uh, but thankfully with our numbers on our jerseys being changed, I won't have to rely so much on the accessories they're wearing to identify <laughs> them. It was impossible to read nice. those numbers sometimes. Yeah. God. Oh, did you see Mike Evans today? They came out with his pictures of him in the jersey. That's right. As a matter of fact, there was pictures of Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski put out in the new uniforms as well. The pewter uniforms. And I'll tell you what, they look fantastic. Why is it that I bring up Mike Evans and all you can talk about is Tom Brady? Well, because we had talked about all this the last time we recorded this podcast and we forgot about what we had talked about. So we're trying to, I'm trying to bring it all back up because if Mike Evans came out today, the picture of him, well, it hadn't uh, Sunday when we did this. So we had talked about Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. I'm just so, giving you a hard time. I know. Okay. Uh, but – Yes, they look fantastic. And some people are getting their pewter jerseys in already, apparently. You said, Molly. I haven't seen. I think I've seen a couple, but uh, we're still waiting for ours. But anyhow, Pat McCaffrey reacted to the first look at Tom Brady in the new Buccaneers uniform. Now, you got to listen to this. This is fantastic. Let's take a Colossus. look at old Tom Brady in the Tampa Bay uniform. Oh, my God. Are you <laughs> kidding me? How does handsome get better looking? I'll tell you what. <laughs> put him that. in a Buccaneers jersey that's great. Yeah, Not that's only right. does the, oh, the whites <laughs> look perfect. The whites look perfect. Look at the color They're scheme at all three different pictures. and his big brain. This is the you can second already tell he's getting more credit helmet. for the success that this team has brain. more now than he ever got in New England. Look how thankful he is to be a Buccaneer just by seeing him in this jersey, AJ. <laughs> it looks good, doesn't he? Man, oh, I'm, I'm my. Some video of this. Yeah, there it is. This That's is a, the, the third picture of him. Are you kidding me? He looks like he's 22 again. He's refreshed. <laughs> he's revitalized. He's thankful to be in a place that's thankful for him. Tom Brady, TB12, looks brand new in a Buccaneers uniform. Congratulations. That's awesome. Love it, love it, love it. So, yeah, great. And then uh, Mike Evans's pictures came out today with him and his jersey. It looked good, looked good. I didn't think they were as spectacular as the Tom Brady ones. There was actually only one picture with him in the pewter jersey. The same with Tom Mike. Brady and everything. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but gotcha. It was from behind, and he was, like, catching the ball. But, and then the I just picture. love the pewter ones. Yes, I really do like How the often ones. can they wear those? Is there a limit? Or just how remedy they That's want. a good question. I have no idea. Three times maybe? Don't know. Between one and three is my guess. Okay. We'll do a follow-up. We got to look at yeah, yeah, do a fact check on that one. Yeah, so uh, new uniforms is awesome. New pictures of our guys in the uniforms are awesome. But you know what else is awesome? You what? know, with, with all the statues being ripped down across the country. The Jerry Richardson statue in Charlotte in front of the Bank of America Stadium was taken down. <laughs> this just reeks of pettiness on Tepper's part. <laughs> like, like, that's all that I can think of. Like, he's just being, like, I can imagine him out there in his BMW, like, pulling it down himself, like, tethering a chain, <laughs> pulling off his back bumper. <laughs> oh, you know he drives a Tesla. Come on now. Right. You think so? Yeah, probably. I don't know. He's a high-end Tesla. Like 20 cars. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, they just I just found that hilarious. Like everybody's getting in on the taking down statues bandwagon. <laughs> I'm glad it's a not hit the Buccaneers yet. I'd hate for them to take down the statue where the, in the uh, in one buck place inside they got the statues. Of oh John yeah, they Gruden have a whole bunch of them. Yeah, our Super Bowl era. Well, they're inside a building, and it seems like those are usually pretty safe. I guess. For now. Oh, yeah. yeah. For now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not give people ideas. Oh, I have one more piece of news. Scotty Miller got married. That's right. See, we talked about all this in the podcast, and I forgot. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Good for him. Good for him. He'd be miserable like the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> You looked me dead in the eye with no, no <laughs> smile on your face whatsoever when you said that. I can't tell if you're joking or not. Of course I'm joking. <clears throat> and I don't here. care. I'm going to make it miserable now. If you're going to accuse me of something, I might as well do it. <laughs> Who says you're not already? Yeah, so that's nice. Uh, and Chris Godwin, he's engaged, right? Yeah, they got engaged on vacation in South Africa. She's a, uh, what's the word, athletic looking girl? Mm-hmm. Chris Godwin's mm-hmm. fiance. Yeah, she, she looks like a, a professional bodybuilder almost. Oh yeah, I could see that. I, I don't mm-hmm. know. That'd be interesting. Uh, she was his high school girlfriend, I think. She better get a ring put on that finger before he blows up. <laughs> you know, I think she already did. Well, not yeah. Okay, uh-uh. she got an engagement ring, not a. But they've been together a long time. I think like eight years or something. Yeah, it don't while. matter, man. You get that. <laughs> you get that big money. That NFL money. That NFL money. Things change. <laughs> you better get that ring so you get half. Yeah. No matter what happens. Yeah. So, gosh, do we have any single guys on our football team anymore? <laughs> I, don't, I, I know we do. I'm just. Probably. I don't. We got a lot of married. We're a very family oriented team. It seems. Yeah. Like. It's so weird. I think that's important because it just, it grounds you. Yes, I, I'm a firm believer you know, in family. And it, mm-hmm. it does change you, becoming mm-hmm. a parent. But, you know, having a marriage, having to cooperate in a marriage builds character. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like. Like misery. Yeah, like being sentenced part. to hard labor <laughs> builds character. <laughs> I'm just kidding, kind of. All right, so are you ready to talk about Tom Brady behind our offensive line? Ralph did a video on this. Uh, A lot of you might have already seen it. It was up last week. Yeah, a lot of the media, the talking heads, national media, local media, almost every article and uh, I don't even know, what do you call it, interviews when these guys are talking? I don't know. They, They say that their biggest concern is you know, Tom Brady and our offensive line saying that, you know, keeping him on his feet off his back is going to be Tampa Bay's biggest challenge. So I went through and I've seen every pass play, every offensive play from the Patriots 2019 season, probably at this point about eight times. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that Tom Brady is one tough dude, man. He gets hit, and he gets hit hard, and he gets hit a lot. I don't know where they're getting this information from. I, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. They, they build these narratives, and everybody just seems to go along with it. You know, like, they, they give you the impression that Tom Brady plays against one of the best offensive lines in the world, and he's made a glass, and it's the offensive line that has made him 
not get hurt. But that is so far from the truth. I mean, I was watching their offensive line from 2019 season, and they're rated fifth best, fifth best offensive line for pass protection. We're, we were ranked 22nd. And I can tell you, with I would I would put everything I own on the line, that our offensive line was just as good as theirs in pass protection, maybe even better. You know, our big issue was our running backs, our tight ends, and Jameis Winston style of play, which is what caused most of the pressures and sacks and all that good stuff, or at least a large percentage of it. Tom Brady got hit. He got hit a lot. His thing is, is that he just, he's like Drew Brees. Any, any Buccaneer fan, we all know how aggravating it is playing Drew Brees because you can have him in your grasp and be taking him to the ground and he's going to throw the ball. Well, whether it lands at somebody's feet or it lands out of bounds or whatever. Usually right behind his offensive line. And never an intentional grounding call. Right. And it's so annoying. I can't tell you how many times that's happened to us throughout the years where we're, you know, you've got him sacked. He's going down and he just throws the ball. But that, Tom Brady does the same thing. And he will stand there with a guy coming, running at him at full board. He'll just stand his ground and chunk the ball. You know, just throw it or get rid of it or whatever. That's the thing, though. He but, but he takes the hit. And, you know, he's getting hit all the time. And I looked up the stats and, like, his pressures uh, were kind of similar to, to Jameis Winston's. I can't remember. It was either the pressures or the hits were the same. But then the other one was about 20 less than. And I'm watching these games and I'm like, there's no way. I mean, Tom Brady was getting pressured. Man, I want to say more than Jameis Winston was. He just handles it different. You know, Jameis Winston will immediately, once he feels pressure, he's looking to run and escape from the pressure. Uh, and Tom, a lot of times you're running right into linemen. God, running into the sack. Running right into guys that are being blocked. And you know, you don't get that from Tom Brady. You just don't get that. I don't think I saw that once in that whole, in all of 2019. Now, there was a couple times where he scrambled out of the pocket a little bit. Uh, but generally, he will move around in the pocket and try to stay lined up behind his offensive linemen, depending on how they're blocking, so that they don't have to worry about blocking, trying to figure out where he's at. You know what I'm saying? Uh, with Jameis Winston, when he was running around, his offensive lineman had no idea where he was at half the time. Right, their backs are to him. Yeah, and they're they're trying to block a guy standing in front of him, and Jameis Winston is running over to the left, and the guy they're blocking just walks away from the block and goes and tackles Jameis Winston. You know, you don't get that at all with Tom Brady. You know, it's a uh, you're you go at Tom Brady. He's in the pocket now. He will avoid getting tackled every now and then he'll, he'll move around in there but generally he likes to stay in that pocket and he will take the hit to get that ball out and it got, he he did it so many times I, I was i'm sitting there going i don't know how this guy's getting up after some of these hits because he that got clobbered tb12 diet right he does have that diet that helps with inflammation and recovery uh, and recovery I think 10-inch strength, all that good stuff. You know, he's just really big into uh, being able to bounce back from injuries. And he's only had 15 games that he's missed due to injury, and it was all in one season. That was 2008. He got hurt in week one and was out for the rest of the season. Other than that, he has not missed a single game for injuries in 19 years as a starter. And a lot of those games, or a lot of those seasons, he was also going to the playoffs. So he's not just playing a 16-game right, season. Right. 
Yes, which I didn't factor in. In, in the video, <laughs> I concluded at the end, I said, well, I'm going to give them, I'm going to make it a tie because uh, Tom Brady has, he's played 94% of his games, uh, only only 6% of his games has he not played due to injury. Jameis Winston had 5% of his games not due to injury, that he didn't play due to injury. And uh, Jameis Winston got hit a lot. A lot of it was his fault or running backs not blocking, whatever. Whatever the reason was, he still got hit a lot. So, you know, I'm like, well, Tom Brady's been playing for 20 years. You know, that's got to mean something, too. So, you know, I just couldn't figure it out. I was like, well, I'm just going to make it a wash. It's a tie between the two of them. And then Molly pointed out to me in our last podcast. She said, yeah, you know, and they're in the, he's never missed a game in the playoffs and everything. And I went, oh, my gosh. I didn't count the playoffs. <laughs> so if you do that, Tom Brady is like 98%. He's only missed like 2% of games due to injury. And that's incredible. And it's only one season. It was during 2008. So the guy, when he gets hit, uh, sometimes you'll see quarterbacks, you know, they'll kind of lay there or they'll get up real slow or whatever. No, he just bounces right back up. I mean, you know, he's not like jumping up and going Whoa, every time. But, you know, he gets up. He, he, it never seems to bother him. And I've, I've seen him get, if you watch the video, there's a couple where he gets suplexed. Guys, were, you know, one, he got bent totally backwards. Another one, he got hit in the back, you know, at full board. Didn't have, know that guy was coming at all. And then, bam. I mean, the guy the guy takes it, and he, uh, he bounces right back up from it. So the guy is tough. Yeah, can he play behind our offensive line? Yeah, that's not going to be an issue this year at all. Our offensive line at minimum, is going to be top 10. Most likely, they're going to be top five. There's a good possibility they could be best in the league. Tom Brady's going to make them look better than they are. Jameis Winston made them look worse than they are. Right, and especially a quarterback that can get the ball out faster. Right, right, yeah. He's 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 very decisive. Uh, he's he's not going to sit back there and, you know, triple pump to the same guy before he throws it to him because he can't, he can't decide who he wants to throw to or whatever. And he, he's so good at maneuvering in the pocket. Yeah. With the space he's got. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I think everybody's going to be fascinated at how much of an improvement our offensive line is going to have this year. Okay. Let me ask you two questions because people brought this up in the YouTube comments. The first is Donovan Smith. Uh, mm. You know, Donovan has gotten a reputation as being kind of a slouch as far as left tackles go. So please talk about what you expect and your opinion on Donovan Smith. Donovan Smith is a very good football player. His issue has always been uh, effort. Effort. Yes. I mean, he's got the strength. He's got the size. Uh, he's got the technique. He the just, other lawn, linemen have said that he's the strongest guy on the line. Yeah, he's a big guy. And his whole issue has always been being lackadaisical, not putting forth a whole lot of effort. And, you know, the first few years, or the first what four years he was here, I he just sucked. You know, I was just so frustrated with him. And of course, you know, at, at here at Buccaneers Observer, we never call for anybody to get fired. We cut. were very vocal about Donovan Smith having not earned the contract that he was given, and you know, our whole thing last off season was if you're mad about a certain player not being here, you need to blame Donovan Smith because that's where all our money went. That's right. And we didn't feel he deserved it. I mean, we hold yeah. our players accountable. We'll hold the coaches and ownership and all that. But, you know, we ain't ever called for anybody to get cut or fired. Or anything. Uh, to, it's just, you know, I'm a fan of the team. That includes everybody from the water boy to the ownership. 
Donovan Smith last year got his contract. What did he get? Twenty million, something like twenty-seven million. No, three years. Twenty-seven. Yeah. So I think I'm trying to remember how much it was per year. Anyhow, he got a big contract. He got paid top left tackle money. We didn't feel like he deserved it. Well, he played very well last year. He played. He he earned his money. I thought. You know, he wasn't lackadaisical. He played through. Yeah, I think that was the biggest problem with him is that in 2018 or prior to 2019, he would give up on a play and then turn around and watch his guys (laughs) sack Jameis Winston. And it was so infuriating. Yeah, we talked about that, uh, how Donovan Smith pins. Donovan Smith spent more time watching his guy sack Jameis Winston than he did blocking his guys throughout the season. Okay, I just looked up his contract. It's three years, forty-one million with twenty-seven million guaranteed. That's what I was thinking. So, in twenty nineteen, his cap hit was twelve and a half million. In twenty twenty, it's fourteen and a half million. Yeah, so he was getting paid, and he stepped up, and he 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 played that well he played which well it's for his. so unusual for to have a guy get paid and his performance and then, go up <laughs> right yeah 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 it's usually the other way around yeah uh you, you remember that hit he put on marcus, marcus peters. peters yes against the rams you know i mean you wouldn't have seen that any time before i don't no. think i ever saw him try to chase anybody down to tackle him no and uh, that's one thing you can say about our offense. we got the best tackling offense in the league. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to have that, but <laughs> we got it. But it was apparent that coaching made a lot of difference last year for Donovan. Yes. And he just seemed to have a better, you know, he he was, he hustled on the field more. And this year, he's definitely going to hustle. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I was not a big fan of his contract. I was not a big fan of him getting that kind of money. Yeah, we were and both very outspoken. I would that. not have been upset if we would have uh, cut him, to be honest with you. But he stepped up and it impressed me. I don't have any doubts whatsoever that he's going to play top level this year. All of them are. I'm not worried about anybody on our offensive line. Okay, the second question I wanted to talk about is the right side of that line because, of course, we've got Tristan Wirfs, who is a rookie. That right side of that line, you know, with Dotson last year, he had some injuries. We had other guys in there. It seemed like kind of a weakness over there. So talk about what you expect from the right side of the line. Kappa, I'm not worried about. Our right guard, he has the attitude you want from an offensive lineman. He is probably one of my favorite on the line. Yeah, he's very... Yeah. I think Jensen's probably number one. Kappa's number two. Yeah. Just from playing through that broken arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not even making a big deal about it. Yeah. You know, he's just out like there. Like, you had no idea. And he had surgery and then was back on the field on the arm like two weeks later. Yeah, you it's gotta, just incredible. You got to love that. And, you know, he's a new guy. A rough around the edges a little bit, but, you know, he's going to get better as the years goes on. But it's his attitude that makes it all worthwhile to be. You, yeah. know, you see him out there hitting people. You know, I mean, yeah. he's he's looking for people to hit. Him and Jensen are really similar to me in play style. Jensen is a little mouthier, I think, than Kappa is, but they're both pretty aggressive, I feel like. I think, yes, I think they've 
uh, Kappa has learned a lot from Jensen. <laughs> Which you love they, to see it. Yeah, they they do. They're both very similar in their play styles. Tristan Wirfs, I don't know a thing about him. I don't know, but I do trust that the uh, the front office and the coaches can coach him up, and I think they picked a good guy. I mean, everybody talks about he's going to be a premier offensive lineman. So, you know, I've got confidence in him. I doubt very seriously if he's going to go out there and just – you know, lay an egg all season long. Yeah, I think we might see a little bit of adjustment. I mean, in the past few years, we've watched rookies come in and there has been a period of them sucking and then turning it around. So Vita in particular comes mm, to mind. Yeah, yeah, the guys yeah. in the secondary, Devin White, Devin White mm. exactly. So if there's kind of that little adjustment period, I think we should give him some leeway there Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. i can see him you know having a hard time at first and then kind of coming into his own and especially with offensive linemen uh coach gilbert actually said this last year in one of his press conferences is that college offensive linemen are basically just like bodies in the way like they don't do complex blocking schemes Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff so you have to spend more time developing these offensive linemen coming out of college. Plus, he's on the right side of Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to be facing him. Tom Brady will be able to see if he misses a block and if the guy's coming at him. That's why the right tackle position is not as important as the left tackle because if the guy gets past the left tackle real quick, the quarterback ain't going to see it and they're going to get clobbered. So is it the opposite for a left-handed quarterback? Yes, and there's very few left-handed quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. Uh, it's also very strange because receivers have a hard time catching left-handed quarterback passes because the ball spins. That is. The, I was going to ask you if that was the reason. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. Uh, Michael Vick was left-handed, I yeah. think. Yeah. And I want to say Jeff Garcia, wasn't he left-handed? I can't remember. We had, we had one quarterback who was left-handed. I do believe – uh, so yeah, it just takes it's, it's a different different getting used to. It. And if you have a crappy left tackle but a good right tackle, then you want a left handed quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I'm not worried about our offensive line at all. I do want to see our running backs get better at blocking. Uh, they were subpar last year, and our tight ends. Rob Gronkowski is very good at blocking. He's he's going to be our best blocking tight end if we use him in that role, which I'm sure we will. Uh, and then right behind him would be all clear as far as blocking is concerned. He's always good for a few holding penalties, though. Yeah. Uh, but none of them, or none of our current tight ends, are really good blockers or great blockers. You know. Yeah, I think that's why the addition of Gronk was really important because he's a phenomenal blocker. So I hope that he'll rub off on the rest of the guys. Yeah, it's one of the issues. You know, we complained about this on – the podcast quite a bit about, you know, how football has gotten kind of distorted through things like fantasy football uh, and Madden, where, you know, you're you're looking at numbers all the time. And we look at tight ends, especially people that play fantasy football, and you go, oh, uh, this is a good tight end. You know, Gronk is a good tight end because he's got eight touchdowns this year, 12 touchdowns or whatever. Yet, well, you know, football is all about blocking and tackling. And tight ends and running backs especially, 50% of their job, if not more than 50%, is blocking. And if you can't block, you're not a good tight end. It would be like being a good blocking tight end that can't catch the ball or can't run routes. So 
You know, our tight ends need to step up. So do our running backs. Don't know about the new guy, Vaughn. I don't know if he's going to be a good blocker. Running and back. we have another one, Calais, right? Isn't he a running back? I think we got two. He was in the later rounds. Mm-hmm. Well, all three of our running backs last year just had a horror, had quite a few games where they whiffed badly on blocks. Dare did, Rojo did, Peyton did. And it's not it's not complex blocking schemes. They were basically doing the exact same thing every other team does with running backs. You know, you got them back there. They look to see if anybody's coming through the line, and then they go down for a check down pass if nobody's coming through. I mean, it's, so did it just seem like they didn't grasp the scheme, or was it lack of effort? I wouldn't say it was lack of effort. It was just making mistakes. Uh, I, I don't think that they did a whole lot of blocking practice. Mm-hmm. It appeared like, you know, they'd be catch, they'd be caught off guard or they wouldn't plant their feet right or they wouldn't get low enough. So it just, it just seemed like it wasn't, it wasn't a uh, priority for them. Let's put it that way. With the coaching staff, I wonder. Yeah, maybe. Something like maybe they didn't do a lot of reps in practice. Something. Like that. Just bizarre. Well, and, you know, in practice, it's totally different because you've got, you know, the, the defensive lineman and the offensive lineman will every now and then, you know, hit each other and block. But, you know, they're not going full board. They're not trying to really do it. So, you know, running backs don't get that in the off season, you know, where they're able to really block somebody. Take know? a real hit is yeah. what you mean. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not worried about our offensive line at all, and I'm here to say it that, uh, we will be at minimum a top 10 offensive line, most likely a top five. It's a bold prediction. Bold prediction, Cotton. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually have a running list of our predictions for the season. Oh, what do we got? Oh, I don't have it with me. Oh, have, man. I don't have it. I saw you had something open over there. Well, write right. that down. Write down my. All right. I'll write it down. We'll go over our predictions next podcast. Okay. All right. Well, we got this podcast out of the way. Hopefully, we'll check this out and make sure the audio is good enough to put it up. And y'all will be hearing this. Don't have anything coming up to uh, talk about or announce. But if you do want to get in touch with us, the best way is through Twitter or go to the website, BuccaneersObserver.com. And there's plenty of different ways to contact us there through email or whatever. Yeah, we're pretty much on every platform. Or at least the big ones. I don't know. We don't do Instagram. Is Snapchat still a thing? I don't know. We don't do that either. We're, we're not on TikTok either. We're not going to do the TikTok. No, we're not doing it. Sorry. What was, what was the platform before TikTok that was the Vine? Vine, yeah. yeah. I, I love the Vine. I didn't even know that one. I loved Vine. I loved Vine video. I just and then thought just Vine p- videos were just like a YouTube channel. No, See, uh, uh, and I feel old. You are so old. <laughs> You know, this is why I can't do the new technologies. It's I say that really like it's just too much, but really what I mean is it's too much for my tiny brain to handle. Like I just can't can't get accommodated to them. It's like your grandma trying to show your grandma how to use AOL. Oh my goodness. All right, well that's gonna wrap it up for us. Till next time. Go bucks.